Hello, welcome to One Week, One Year. This is a podcast where we go through cinema history uh, one week at a time. Uh, hmm. One year at a time every week. One year at a time every week. Thanks. Well, we'll work it out. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, my name is Chris Ellie, and uh, I just like movies, but I uh, thought that um, I would bring on my friend Glenn Covell, who makes movies, um, for, for a little more for a little more educational uh, background. The most the and most, banter. Uh... Yeah, the mo- I make movies in the most general sense. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I came up with this idea because um, I always felt like I was sort of like missing on certain like elements of film history um, about being able to like really internalize uh, what uh, what each advance in film art and technology meant. Um, I remember reading a. Uh, someone talking about Citizen Kane and saying like, oh, it, 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 it has been so copied since it's come out that all of the innovations uh, of Citizen Kane are unrecognizable uh, today, right? But for its time, it was this groundbreaking cinematographical achievement. And I was like, well, Citizen Kane's kind of boring, <laughs> so <laughs> hot take. Uh, it's fine. Um <laughs> But maybe I would appreciate it more if I went through all of film history up to Citizen Kane, but then past Citizen Kane, because why not? Um, yeah, that's kind of my motivation for this thing. And we're starting... Oh, yeah, do you have something to say? Uh, no, I mean, just that, like, uh, I've seen Citizen Kane multiple times, and the first time I saw it, I definitely had that kind of reaction of, like, what's the big deal with Citizen Kane? It's just a movie. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've seen it a handful of times. And I don't dislike it. I just think it's, like, fine. <laughs> mm. It is, but, like, yeah, I think definitely upon rewatching it more and, like, learning more about it and, like, viewing it more in its in its context, I've, I've definitely grown to like it a lot more. Oh. So. Well, anyway. There's that. Where we're starting here is in 1895. Good old 1895. Which is uh, slightly arbitrarily picked because the origin of film is kind of murky and disputed um but i think the the most agreed upon is uh yeah december 28th 1895 uh when the lumiere brothers premiered uh, a paid showing uh to a group of people of 10 films that they'd shot that year i think um and that is uh kind of considered to be the beginning of cinema as as we recognize it now hmm yeah, the 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 fact that it was projected on a screen, I think, is a an important landmark mm-hmm. um, as to sort of like the modern conception of movies was really kind of started in eighteen ninety five. Yeah, so so there were other like experiments a bit before then, which I think we can touch on a bit, uh, mm-hmm. breaking breaking the formula already. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah, the thing about this is that we're doing like one year at a time is that, uh, hypothetically, and I'm sorry that you maybe signed up for this, Glenn, (laughs) this could take roughly two and a half years to do if we're really, if we're really diligent about it. Well, unfortunately I might, I might have two and a half years of just, uh, a lot of free time on my hands, so... We'll see. Oh, wow. With like, uh, you think this... Okay, well, yeah, that's sad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> off topic, off topic. <laughs> it could take a while, but we'll, 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 we're taking it one year at a time. I don't know. That's, uh, that's exciting. Cool. Great. Anyway, uh, let's talk. Let's back up a little bit further than 1895 and just set the scene a little bit. Um, so... I guess the the earliest motion pictures were happening in the 1870s um, with like um, Edward Moybridge uh, and the the kind of famous uh, 
famous uh, uh, animation, but it's not even an animation. Is the famous kind of um, picture series of horses of mm. a horse running, and around that time, uh, Edward Moybridge was trying to study motion and like locomotion in a way that had not been done before, uh, and he considered himself a scientist, uh, and he took. Uh, he did like hundreds of of short films. I think you could call them films, but they're like um, they're just like a series of twelve pictures. I think he set up like an array of yeah. cameras. Um, they're they're more like uh, photo sequences or sort of like um, very rapidly taken photographs that yeah, when when viewed together, create. Uh, motion yeah but it's like they they weren't made with like a a motion picture camera right they were they were photographs they weren't like a a strip of film yeah Yeah. um i watched this uh in a documentary film class that i took in college we watched this documentary called edward moybridge zoopraxographer (laughs) <laughs> um <laughs> what, a, what a great title isn't that a great title oh and and for the podcast audience who may not know how edward moybridge is spelled it's, it's spelled in the weirdest possible way <laughs> it is e-a-d-w-e-a-r-d-m-u-y-b-r-i-d-g-e and yeah. He made the Zoopraxiscope, and this movie was like a biography of him, basically. And he is the one and only Zoopraxographer, which <laughs> is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just looking up, like, some of the other, like, in that era, the late 18, 1800s, uh, all sorts of similar motion picture devices uh, going, you know, as, as simple as uh, as, like, almost flipbook adjacent things but some mm-hmm. as actual cameras but there was the zoopraxiscope the bioscope the fantascope the phenekidoscope the kinema the kinematoscope electrotachyscope uh which i think is pretty good because it incorporates like the time element of film mm. electrotachyscope and uh then kinetoscope which was edison and then, of course, they just settle and just still call just calling them cameras. Because <laughs> it's just a camera. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess it was already a camera. Um, right, but I the still I, I do I do think it's funny that people just got tired of saying those words. <laughs> it's like too. It's just another type of camera. This fine. That's it. I I feel like that would be nice to bring back. You know, uh, I I. <laughs> Always forget to do this, but I want to call movies pictures more, you know, just to sound mm. more old timey and fun. Yeah. And so yeah, shooting a picture on a on a kinematoscope, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well also I mean the kinematoscope is is a very specific invention, you know, it's like it's like a C three hundred, you know. It's specific can it's a camera. It's a digital camera. You know, specific cameras have specific names. Yes. And so I guess, like, the kinematoscope is, like, the 1800s equivalent of, like, the Red Dragon. Um, wow. That, red that just their doofy that just, names. <laughs> that just underscores how silly of a name the Red Dragon is. It, yeah, it is very much. That is, that is, <laughs> that is how far we've come. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so, uh, based on my little outline that I wrote here, um, that that brings us into Edison. What what's the kind of stuff that you remember about Edison from film school? Um, mostly just that he was definitely an early pioneer, both of uh, primarily with kind of camera technology and like building the first uh, motion picture cameras and and things like that. Um, and that his the camera that he had a hand in inventing or patented or took credit for, I'm not sure which, um, is was definitely kind of a lot of early filmmakers were able to use it and it sort of led to a lot of early innovative things. Um, was he distributing his camera a lot? I was reading about how the Lumieres were kind of protective of their cameras. 
Well, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure the Lumiere's camera technology was somewhat based off of the Edison camera. Mm. Like, I think he kind of put it out into the world, and then everyone kind of modified it and upgraded it, and kind of turned it into their own their own things with their own silly names. Finally, someone's stealing from Edison instead of the other way around. Uh, and so he was shooting a lot of his movies in, in New Jersey, I think, right? Yeah, well, he, he started the first uh, film studio, mm-hmm. which was like a dedicated physical space built for the sole purpose of making movies in. Hmm. The, the, the kind of extremely just curtained black background of all of those early films yeah well i I, yeah it was like uh i don't know all the details about it but yeah it was like a very kind of simplistic like black box kind of basically a black box theater i think without a roof to let sunlight in and that's that's about it Hmm. uh yeah you know uh this is getting a little ahead but um I was thinking about the differences between the Edison films and the Lumiere films from this time. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, all pretty much all of the Edison films are shot indoors uh, behind a black background. Um, yeah. And the Lumiere ones tend to be outside um, and a little more naturalistic, I guess. Mm-hmm. And... I got the I got the vibe from watching Edison movies and and Lumiere movies that you know because Edison was this he was this scientist but he was also the showman in a way that was sort of like reflected in the movies that he was making um a bit they they're very kind of stagey and yeah. um I don't know just sort of they 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 do kind of feel like something that like would be behind a curtain at a circus like Mm. look at this um it's you know like people people wrestling or like a person uh you know well yeah like i was i was you know i i've spent all day watching these 40 second movies uh on youtube (laughs) and uh i was trying to think of something to say about them and the thing with a lot of these edison movies is you know these are early motion pictures so their fixation is on the motion itself and so with the edison things there's like nothing to distract you basically like it's we're taking a thing it's like a person dancing and then we're putting it yeah in a with a black background and you are just looking at this thing moving you know yeah and so it, it seems somewhat scientific in that sense of it's just you are observing the motion of that thing in a moybridge sort of sense um, yeah, but then the stuff that he's doing are all like, look at this strange thing. Look at this sideshow <laughs> over here. You know. Well, I think I think that kind of extends to the way that his films were um, were exhibited. Like they weren't they weren't shown on a screen through a projector. They were in a little sort of box machine that you, one person had to look through like a a viewing hole. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a like a like a podium that you looked into and you saw just a thing playing on on a loop. Do you know if you cranked it yourself? Uh, I I think so. Maybe. Yeah. I think I'm fairly certain that they have one at the Museum of the Moving Image in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and I don't, but I don't remember if. Mm. I feel if, like I've, I've uh, used if that one does, or if I think the one there does not require a hand crank, but uh-huh. I'm guessing that some of the early ones probably did maybe hmm. yeah i i see that's the thing that's why i was talking about all these like various technologies that they had is that i can't really keep straight what's what you know like mm-hmm. i tried i've used something that's sort of that i think was a kinetoscope i think was it could have been it was a podium mm-hmm. that you look into <laughs> but uh you turned a crank, and it wasn't film. It was like a bunch of uh, cards, I think, that were on. Oh, the, yeah. Like, they mm-hmm. spun around. And as you turned the crank, it was hundreds of cards, I think, to make, like, a full motion picture. But um, as you spun the cards around, then it th- then it created the motion. Uh, yeah. That, that might not be, though, since it wasn't, I, like... Yeah, I think that that is something that I'm pretty sure predates, like, film 
motion picture of any kind. Like, I'm pretty sure that's before my bridge. They had, like, I guess they would be considered animation. Um, where it is, like, it's like a spinning thing with slots in it. And as it spins, you see the the drawing move in it. Hmm. It's kind of hard to describe because it's a weird physical shape. Well, it's it, but it was uh, it was photographs. It wasn't uh, animation. Was it? I th- yeah. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. But hmm. um, yeah, that is sort of the the most basic form, I guess, of like images put together in a sequence that then through some sort of technology or movement appear to be a single image that's moving persistence of vision love it yeah love it (laughs) (laughs) um and uh so while we were looking through these uh i think a lot of people think that sound wasn't in movies until the 1920s the late 20s that the the earliest history of film was just completely silent but the earliest history of film is really just people like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, that's, that's the vibe that I got from a lot of these shorts is they're just like, what? figure it out, you know? Yeah. Um, one thing that I think is kind of cool about that, especially them being as early as this, pretty much anything you see in any of these really early films is the first time it's ever been put on film. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, the, the the first one you watch that has a dog in it, that's like, that's probably the first time a dog was in a movie. Um, that's pretty crazy. All the way to yeah. Call of the Wild 2020. <laughs> With no dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was, I guess it wasn't the last time that dog the first was in film, a movie. The first, the first movie Maybe a dog entirely purpose. about a dog with no dogs in it. <laughs> uh, uh, Balto would beg to differ. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, that movie probably still had more, more dogs than. Uh, I don't know why I'm like dunking on Call of the Wild. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. It's um, probably good. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, with the with the sound, you know, they were experimenting with everything, and Edison was known for a lot of inventions, and one of them was sound related. He made the the wax cylinder and uh, an early an early way of of recording sound. And so, uh, there was a, uh, a, a short from 1884, uh, by, it's W.K. Dixon, right? Is the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that one, uh, is called the, uh, oh God, what is it called? Like the, the Dixon sound experiment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Dixon sound experiment, which the, is a really cool sounding title. That's a good name for a band, actually. <laughs> It really. I wonder if there is a band that already took that because it's like it's like a great name for a band to play um, warbly violin. Oh yeah, I mean, I might try and splice in the audio from it, but it's extremely screechy and horrible. Um, <laughs> so that means you have to. Yeah, I guess so. Here it is. And now we're back. <laughs> Wasn't that awful? <laughs> uh, so to describe to you what you would have been looking at when you just heard that uh, is it is a uh, it's a video of uh, one man playing a violin. It might be W.K. Dixon. I don't know. Somebody playing violin. Mm. Um, and uh, he's playing it into a giant horn uh, that is being and, and the violin is being recorded onto a wax cylinder um, and back in those days, you had to play everything straight into a big horn. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> it wouldn't be picked up at all because there was no amplification. Um, and then two two men dancing kind of waltz style to the violin on the right side yeah. of the frame. Um, and yeah, it is the first synchronized... It's the mo- first movie with sound. It's the first movie with synchronized sound. Uh, yeah. Some, uh, what... I can't do math 30 years 30 plus years before the jazz singer yeah um, um and i i think it was like it isn't doesn't always usually really get the credit for first sync sound because it wasn't they were just being recorded simultaneously and i think it wasn't until mm. the film was rediscovered in like 
2000 that they were actually yeah, like, they, they, they even had the sound that they even like put them together and played them simultaneously yeah i was reading i think walter merch did that to the synchronization on the sound oh really i didn't realize that um yeah i guess it's i guess it is sound that can be synchronized but the sound yeah the the wax cylinder was lost for a hundred years uh but it is not synchronized sound because it's not like actually right attached to the the film itself but it's still a, a film from 1994 with sound, which until this week I didn't know existed. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, you didn't you didn't see it in um in any of your various film classes? No, that that's one never made wild. the cut. There were actually a bunch that I watched for this that uh-huh. were s- like super huge milestones, like insane milestones of like things that every film uses that I had never seen. Before. Yeah, you know, that's the um, thing is it's like even in film school, possibly, I feel like this era of film uh, is it, so it, skipped over. You know? It does. It gets brushed over very quickly. They they usually tell you my bridge sort of did the first like, you know, sequence of photographs that were then shown as a, a motion picture. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of gets into Lumiere Brothers and Melies. And it's kinda, it, it does kind of skip over this specific period of like the 1890s. Um, yeah, but I mean, even I mean, I even silent film in general, I, I feel like is fairly ignored. Maybe not in film school as much, uh, but there's a lot of great works of of art in silent film. Yeah, uh, yeah. that we probably won't be getting to for months and months and months. <laughs> well, probably we, not. But when when we get there, I'm it'll, it'll be cool. Yeah, there's uh, some there's some real doozies in there. What's your favorite silent film? I think it's... Oof, ooh, ooh. Um, it might be Sunrise. It also might be Ma- It also might be Metropolis. Sunrise is great. It's so good. And it's 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 kind of... like I feel like film nerds know it, but it, yeah, I feel like it's kind of slept on when compared to like Nosferatu or Metropolis or mm. um, movies from the same era. Yeah. Um, 20s, I guess. Yeah, I think I think Sunrise came out twenty seven. I could be wrong, but um, I haven't seen a lot of silent films, but I love Metropolis. I love it so much. Mm. Yeah. Um, it is. I, I mean, it's it's kind of the the star jewel of of silent film. Yeah, yeah, it's like is so star, political. Is star, is star jewel a term? Uh, is that like your your favorite vape? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is now. Yeah, um, my star jewel. Yeah, I mean, M- Metropolis is is a good enough movie that you watch it now, and it's like, damn, this 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 feels very relevant. Yeah, no, I mean, so I first saw Metropolis uh, when I was sixteen, and I really dug it. Just I just liked the vibe of it, and that was before they rediscovered all of that footage in Argentina. Uh, oh, cool! So, yeah, I you mean, I was one. I was watching a much more compact movie, yeah. <laughs> than, yeah, than the real one, the one that wasn't three hours. Yeah, um, but yeah. it was it, it was cool both ways. I saw it, um, I really liked it, and it had been a long time since I've seen it. And I wa- I watched it again last year, and uh, with it with a live score that was a uh, a pretty adventurous live score. It was like using like synthesizers and stuff, which. I guess has precedent with the Giorgio Moroder version, but this this guy was like it was like a one man band, and he spent like mm. seven years composing it himself. Oh damn! It was wild, and it was really good too. Yeah. And seeing it again now, uh, yeah, I had not realized like how how that movie is so. Uh, yeah. uh, it's got so much to say about class and and revolution yeah. and suppression and all that kind of stuff. We are getting extremely off topic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. yes sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, Edison was doing stuff, uh, but over on the other side of the Atlantic, beep, 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 um, <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't, you know what I was just thinking about though? You couldn't take a plane. Like these people were having no. to take boats back yeah. and forth uh, across the Atlantic. Take a boat, me. To, <laughs> going um, on a boat with their their kinescope or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, over on the other side of the Atlantic were the Lumiere brothers. 
the real the real innovators yeah yeah i, I mean i don't know i i, I, mean, I, I think... give them a lot of credit why i think i just for kind of um i feel like most of the things that we associate with movies started with the lumia brothers mm. uh both the sort of like public exhibition as like with a projector and a screen but also just kind of a lot of I don't know, it just, like, they took it from this kind of a bit more of, even, the, I mean, they just viewed it as a novelty, like, they didn't really see it as, like, an art form or, like, this huge, big thing, but I think that um, the stuff that they did with with cameras and film kind of definitely helped uh, push it in that direction. Yeah, I definitely think that their stuff, um, it feels more... I guess it feels more cinematic in the sense that it doesn't just look like like an experiment. It looks like mm-hmm. um, it looks like stuff that is being filmed. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's one of the big things is they filmed like actual actual things happening, which right. is weird to say that that's like an innovative thing. But for the time, <laughs> it was like it's like let, let's take it outside. Like that, yeah. just doing that was like a huge. Well, so the Lumieres built their own camera slash projector because it was adaptable to be both slash uh, wild slash slash, like development studio oh really they it developed the film also which i don't even so i'm sorry i could look it up how it worked but like that's mind-boggling to me yeah wow and i think it was pretty compact too um yeah but uh so they they invented their own process, and I think part of the reason why Edison was shooting inside of a dark studio was because I, I think he was afraid that he couldn't get the proper light outside to shoot with uh, with his cameras that he had. Mm. Um, it's something that I've heard, but you know, don't fact check me or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, the Lumieres were emboldened to shoot outside, and one of the first uh, movies that they shot was the iconic workers leaving the Lumiere factory. <laughs> Ooh, iconic. <laughs> Legendary. It, it is iconic. Like You it know is, what I was yeah. thinking? Like, there's a lot of these movies, you know, you, you didn't see them in film school, and, and we just discovered them this week. I um, did see this one in film school. Yes. But, like, this... This one, I'm sure, I'm sure you would have. But I, as I was watching through some of these movies, I was thinking, like, there are a lot of images from these movies that somehow have seeped in to us. Uh, oh, yeah. I think uh, Absolutely. Workers Leaving the Lumiere Factory is probably one of those. Even if you're not super into film, maybe, uh, you've seen some kind of reference to it, image to from it or something. Yeah. Well, it's it it's so famous that it kind of it gets referenced and like spliced into stuff yeah a lot so it is sort of you don't even necessarily have to seek it out it's also yeah. what like 4 seconds long so that makes it about... easy to kind of oh yeah not more than 4 but yeah <laughs> uh but yeah the, the basic setup of it is that it's a camera outside of a stationary camera all this stuff is stationary that we've yeah. been talking about uh out, outside of the door of the Lumiere factory, I guess they made stuff. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I love the research that we've done into this. Um, Uh, Yeah. I I think they were like kind of inventor guys. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they employed like 200 people or something like that. And a Uh, bunch of animals. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You, you, you talk about the animals because when I went to go rewatch workers leaving the Lumiere factory, I was of like, which, of which there are three cuts. There are three versions. There's, there are three versions. There's, ver- there's yeah. the the uh, the Lumiere brother number one, the Lumiere brother number two, <laughs> and the Snyder cut. Um, but uh, <laughs> dumb joke. <laughs> but uh, when I was thinking back, like to that scene, so so again, uh, let me back up one second. In that the camera's outside of the door of the factory, and it's just people spilling out of the factory at the end of the workday. Uh, and it's something like 40 seconds long or, or something like that. And mm-hmm. when I was thinking back to it, I was like, is there an elephant in this? Like, <laughs> like the, the whole thing was so 
chaotic and there were animals and people and just stuff moving all over the place i just thought that like there's probably a circus elephant in this too which yeah. there definitely isn't I, th I think you might be thinking of the greatest showman which came out a little <laughs> later than that um what, that came out like maybe like 1899 or something yeah yeah exactly yeah. uh you know uh hugh jackman is a vampire <laughs> um no keanu reeves is the only vampire <laughs> Um, it does, it, I, watching it though, I wouldn't be surprised if an elephant came out. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, it's like, it's so much more visually rich than these Edison pictures. Yeah. Um, there's so much going on, and I think that was their MO for a lot of the stuff that they mm -hmm. shot, was, uh, let's shoot natural scenes, but natural scenes that are busy with lots of movement and lots of chaos, you know? Um, yeah. They're they're most famous for uh, the train arriving at the station, I think. Right, which which um, is uh, we're not there yet. That's that's eighteen ninety six. Spoilers. Um, the the yeah. spoilers. The train arrives at the station. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, I, I do think we could talk about how that's often misattributed to eighteen ninety five when it wasn't actually shown. Um, yeah, I mean, I was having so much trouble with all of these things. I think this the yeah. history is just bad with a lot. It's of this stuff. it's pretty muddy. Um, because, yeah, there, there were some that were like, Wikipedia said it was 1895, and then IMDb said it's 1896, and then this guy's website said that it's 1895. Yeah. And it was, uh, well, ah. Wikipedia contradicts itself, as Wikipedia tends to do some of the time. But <laughs> um, I think it was shot in 1895, but it wasn't actually publicly shown until 1896. So we'll wait for next episode. Yeah, yeah, episode. yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was shown very, very early, 1896. Yeah. So next, next episode. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, Workers Leaving the Lumiere Factory was screened in a, uh, a set of 10 films for an audience. And this was the kind of inciting film incident. The, the... Oh, bringing in some screenwriting terms now, I see. <laughs> we, uh, we're we're starting, starting our act one of film history. <laughs> um, exterior warehouse. Okay, I'm going to stop. Um <laughs> And so that's why we chose 1895 to start, because uh, yeah. it seemed like the moment. This legendary exhibition, December 28th, 1895. And so the 10 films were shown, and this is another part of Wikipedia being inaccurate, because uh, <laughs> they, they, Wikipedia goes, this is the order of the 10 films, and then uh, you click on the citation, uh, and then the citation says a different order. Uh <laughs> So, good job, Wikipedia. Good old um, Wikipedia. But I th I'm pretty sure this is the order. So, it was... Are you going to read them in English or French? I... Do, do, <laughs> do you want to read them in French? No. No, I don't. Okay. I'm maybe read maybe a couple of them. Uh, workers Leaving the Lumiere Factory. Trick Riding. Fishing for Goldfish. The Photographical Congress Arrives in Lyon. The Blacksmiths. The Sprinkler Sprinkled. Uh, baby's Meal. Jumping the Blanket, Cordelier Square in Lyon, and The Sea. And that was that was the program of ten short films that changed the world. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think watching over these movies? Um, Sorry, I was looking up French titles. Oh, um, you want to say some? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, uh. I had seen some of them. Like, I had seen Workers Leaving Lumiere Factory. I had seen the, mm -hmm. the, the baby eating. Um, maybe that's it. That might have actually been the only two of these ten that I had seen. Yeah. I, I'd seen the Sprinkler um, one before. I had not seen the Sprinkler one before, and that was easily my favorite. Oh, it was so good. Um, like, it was, like, legitimately good. Like, where the rest of these are... Well, um... I think it's pretty notable, and it's, I'm pretty sure it's the first, the first anything as far as I can tell, that has any sort of plot or sort of story arc to it. Um, I feel yeah. like all of the all of the other ones, all of the Edison films, all of the like other Lumiere stuff kind of feel like... Um, I mean, they're moving pictures in the most kind of obvious, like, literal sense, where it, it yeah. is just sort of like a scene of a thing happening and it is moving. Mm -hmm. They feel kind of more like photographs from Harry Potter right yeah that good, they're good just comparison. like uh i mean there's like there is a lot they're very busy and there's a lot of movement to them but they tend to be very sort of like 
a locked off thing of like people coming out of a building or people going into a or you know people jumping off uh, a dock into the ocean um babies eating lunch but this one is like a is like a full scene yeah and it's funny um, it is funny it's got some slapstick in there it's got yeah. it's got a it's it's great so so what it is is um to to describe it uh it's a guy using a, a hose to water some plants um and then he's a, off a rascally kid yeah comes, like he's, he's up off, behind he's, him <laughs> a rascally kid sneaks up behind him and steps on the hose and the guy goes like what's going on what's going on and he like looks at the hose as if uh like, looks directly into the hose as you yeah. always have to do and then the rascal the rascal steps off of the hose and sprays him in the face and um, knocks his hat off yes this is a pretty good stunt um, and then the and then the gardener chases him and grabs him by the ear and then and beats him up <laughs> <laughs> in um, a very staged way you, you, they're like almost kind of it's that thing where they're like i'm not sure if they're actually looking at the camera but it's that kind of thing it's like are, are we doing it right like are we does this fight right. look real so uh this uh the sprinkler sprinkled which is one translation of it 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 seems like such a cut above the rest of them it know? really does yeah it um, really stand. it really stands out uh it's it's so competently done uh it, it it's it's staged but um uh in a much more deliberate way than the rest of these um Something that I was noticing is that this movie actually uses the frame to tell part of the story. Um, right, because it has it, someone entering. and yeah, 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 which is not something that I've seen in any of this other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least, like, you know, people have incidentally entered the frame, but it's not, like, a deliberate right. choice for it's the not, It's not a reveal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at the beginning of The Sprinkler Sprinkled, you see the guy on the far left of the screen and just the the hose in the negative space on the right side of the screen just waiting to be stepped on. It, you know? it almost and the rascal does, comes in from the right, right. side. Um it it I think like watched in context. Um I'm not I don't remember where it is in the order. Um it I might think it's be number the last. six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um It does almost kind of feel when it starts, it's like, oh, this is just gonna be a guy watering the plants because that right. is Right. Up until this point, that's really all that we've seen. It's just sort of a single scene of a person doing the thing that they're doing at the beginning of it. And the fact that this rascal comes in (laughs) is... uh, You could almost call it the first plot twist. Interesting, interesting. I think that's that's a bit of a stretch. The first plot twist. That's a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to stick by it. It's the first plot twist. Yes. Plot twist, a rascal shows up. (laughs) Not not a little rascal though. He's just a regular one. Yeah. He's he's a medium sized rascal. Ah, <laughs> a regular sized <laughs> rascal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I oh uh another thing that I was noticing with a lot of these films uh if we're talking about the block of ten of them as a as a unit mm-hmm. is that um there's basically like two types as far as like composition is is or composition or just like motion is concerned there's like one that is a locked off shot of a thing happening like right in front of you and like it's just an event happening yeah uh, and then the other which is more than half of them six of them i think is it's still a locked off shot of course but there's something like dynamic about it there's something coming toward you into the frame right yeah uh, it's like yeah. it's like using the 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 3d quote-unquote space um with the, the workers leaving the lumiere factory they're walking toward the camera um, right yeah there's there's the shot of the cordelier square in Lyon. it's like a, a lot of the the cars are coming toward you um and then in the last one the sea it's people swimming uh it's people jumping off a dock and swimming back to shore toward you Right, so it's both. It's both yeah, directions yeah. on the z-axis, um, which I think is really cool. I think it's a it's a nice, you know, I, I, it feels considered. It, it maybe mm-hmm. not, maybe it wasn't intended to be from an artful perspective, but it's like we're using this new medium. Like, let's do something, like let's use it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also what the the um, the people using the rug as a trampoline. Yes. Um, yeah. And then I like, forgot what that flinging... one's called. Uh, that one is called Jumping the Blanket. 
jumping the blanket or in its native French mm -hmm. once I look it up. God damn it. What the hell, Wikipedia? <laughs> I think it's... Is it this one? You shot film in France, right? No, I've never been to France. Oh. I thought that I was shot, I shot, in your whole no, I, trip. I shot film in Italy and Spain. But, uh, no French. I can't find... It's, it's not worth the joke anymore. Okay. I can cut that out. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple other movies that uh, were notable from 1895. Um, one of them was Serpentine Dance, which was another one that I'd Great. seen before. Yeah. I'd really seen that good. one. Um, um, definitely kind of sticks out because it's, it's the first hand-colored film. Yeah. The first, I mean, the first film in color in general, I think. Yeah, um, um, which is pretty crazy. And so it's like it's like a lady who is in a very flowy dress, and she's doing. I guess apparently this was a popular dance around the time, the serpentine dance, um, <laughs> and so, which is just uh, you know just kind of swirling the dress around in, yeah. in a cool way. It's very smooth. The motion is very very smooth in that. It one. is, yeah. I I did not look it up, but I I. I'm going to hazard a guess that it was shot at a higher frame rate than the other films hmm. because of how, how smooth it looks. Yeah. Um, um, smooth and colorful. The colors are really cool. They're not literal colors. That's another yeah. aspect of it. Is there, mm. there, right. um, the, like the, her dress is changing color as she moves yeah. it around. It's, it's uh, colors that can't really exist in the real world, which is, yeah. Uh, so uh, it was either it was either an intentional fanciful touch or it was a very bad job uh, doing the painting. I think it was intentionally <laughs> fanciful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also. I mean, it, it does. I believe that's another Edison one. Yes. Yeah. 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 We're. Um, and yeah. it kind of plays into that sort of more like stagey kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, a lady dancing. Dancing in front of a black background. Yeah. Um. Another one that I had not, I don't believe I had ever seen, but I, I think is incredibly notable is um, The Execution of Mary Queen of Scots. Yes. Yes, indeed. You want to describe um, that one? Sure. I mean, that one is uh, just a, a scene, a very quick scene of uh, a bunch of like medieval looking soldiers, I guess, and executioner mm -hmm. with an executioner's hood and a big old axe and uh, an actor who I, I read uh was a man playing Mary Queen of Scots, as was the, the theater tradition of the time, uh, bends down over a chopping block. The, the axe goes up, and there is a cut. And a pretty well-hidden one. Yeah, well, especially because it's it, the film is so choppy that it's sort of like... Yeah. But there's a, a, a cut, a jump cut, and the, the actors who plays Mary Queen of Scots is swapped out for a dummy, and the axe comes down and chops the head off, and that, then it's over. Well, but, no, it's not over because they pick up the head and then parade oh, it around, oh, yeah, they, they do holding pick up the, the head, head in the air. It. It's so violent, like it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, well, that that's an Edison one, and uh, but it, it is, I would say the um, kind of the most ambitious of all the Edison films that I that I watched. Yeah, I, um, I would say that too. It's got it's got costumes. It's got it's it's depicting a, a historical event, which is an interesting yeah uh, thing. Um, Apparently, all the people were actors too. Like this, this was the first one with paid actors. Oh, interesting! Like like stage actors, that right? They were using. Like theatrical actors. Um, yeah. I don't know if I if I knew that. Um, but it's, I, I mean, it's the first proper edit in any in any of these. The first time there is a yep. a cut, like an actual, honest to goodness cut, where they stop the camera, yeah, and start it again, and it's being used to do a special effect. Yeah, that's the other. Yeah. It's the first special effect. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, just because it's such like such a given, especially now in film, how, how much like effects are I don't know, effects are so built into the entire history of film. And the, this is the first time that anyone really was like, if we stop it and start again, we can change stuff and no one you know, it's like we can make <laughs> it look like a thing happened. Um, yeah. and it's like it's the simplest, most like, you know, archaic form of a special effect. But it's it 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 works, you know. Yeah, and as and as, um, as early as next week, we're going to be seeing some much more 
complex special effects yeah uh, with george Millet. right oh yeah um but uh for now we've got this beheading which uh, <laughs> i have also i also saw it referenced as the first horror film which i buy i think right it's, well, because um, the the emotion that it's meant to elicit is kind of revulsion and yeah, it's horror. it's shocking. I mean, like yeah. you know, I, it doesn't look shocking to me, but <laughs> it is uh, uh, compared to a lot of this other stuff. It's pretty like gruesome. Certainly um, compared to a baby baby eating breakfast, it is yeah. it is quite shocking and gruesome. Yeah, it made me wonder how common it is to see people being beheaded in the eighteen hundreds. I mean. I'm trying to remember. I mean, this is a, was an American film, but I'm yeah. trying to think in in France when when that became like illegal, and it was very late. I don't remember what year it was. Oh, the guillotine, guillotines and stuff. It was yeah. the seventies when they okay. Became, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that was the even late. Seventies. That was even later than I than I was thinking of. But yeah. I just remember it was shockingly late. So yeah, who knows? I guess I don't know. I just kind of picture was. picture the eighteen hundreds as like a more violent time. Maybe that's just from watching movies and stuff of, I mean, of I, like westerns and everything. Yeah, um, I mean, I, public executions and all that. You know, definitely that aspect. This sort of like public execution, like live death uh, aspect, is I think was a lot more popular back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe we could talk about one more. I know you were you were you into the uh, the mechanical butcher. That was mechanical cool butcher. One. I thought. Well, I saw that one side as the first sci-fi film, which is maybe a bit of a stretch, but I think is an interesting way of looking at it. Um, it's it's very simple. It's just a it's like a a big old box sort of thing, and a guy leads a pig into one side and then opens the other side, and there's a bunch of sausages in there. And he kind of brings them out and serves them up like on a, like to sell them. Um, yeah. And it's, it's written in the big box as the mechanical butcher in French, which I'm not going to look up um, <laughs> or try to say. Um, but it's it is. Neat. It's, it's, it's it's kind of like a magic trick. It's kind of a, it is also kind of like this silly. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's very much in the sort of like illusion based uh, illusions yeah um sort of sort of like the the mary Queen of scott's one it's like yeah using using it's not really using film to make the illusion like it would work on stage no. um well yeah because it doesn't that's the thing it's like the box is big enough to hold both the pig and the pork that yeah they, i mean they're, they're, the they're not fooling anybody but it's, yeah. it's still just kind of a funny thing that there's this big box that says the mechanical butcher and he puts a pig in it and then pulls a bunch of sausages out. I don't know. Yeah. I, I found mean, it amusing. It's, it's cool. Uh, it is cool. I, I wonder, like, um, would... Is that the kind of thing that anyone would have been, like, fooled by? Or, like, how did they do that, you know? Because it seems very obvious how they did it. Um, versus, I think, the Mary Queen of Scots thing, where somebody could... Especially somebody who's not familiar with jump cuts, you know? Could... Yeah. could go like oh my god like how did that happen how did i mean they do yeah that? you know I, I i fully believe that that was the intention like that that was the intention and probably the reaction from people when they saw it was that this was film of someone being beheaded and especially considering that it's like uh i don't know it's it i you know i'm i am kind of curious if edison was like this was the real thing um <laughs> It's like no, no, it wasn't. Um, But yeah, I I think it was. I mean, if if you had no concept of even like how film functioned mechanically, I don't know how you would like immediately jump to like that's yeah, you know, fake. (laughs) But uh, regardless, the the um, the mechanical butcher thing was I I I dug it too. It it had the the vibe of like a like a late 1800 snake oil salesman like oh it's the mechanical butcher yeah you know yeah i think that too is another reason why i just i i found it so amusing it's that's definitely your vibe so <laughs> <laughs> snake oil salesman i mean am i wrong <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's not the most uh not the most flattering but uh sure I'll I, I i it's something that, it's the kind of thing that you appreciate i'm not saying sure. that you are a snake yeah. oil salesman <laughs> just that i'm a fan of them 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm a fan of old. You bought much things. snake oil lately? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, snakes famous that's... for their oil. <laughs> well, good that you're a fan of old timey things because you're on the hook for a lot more of them, <laughs> Glenn Covell. Um, I guess uh, unless you have anything else, I would say. I think it's a good good spot to wrap it up. I mean, we yeah. we had some some lively discussion about these these couple movies and how mm-hmm. how I guess important they are, sort of the things that they that they did that are notable. Yeah. I yeah, this was fun. Yeah. Um so, uh I suppose I'll see everybody. We'll we'll see all of y'all. <laughs> all 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 of y'all out there in podcast land. <laughs> um uh in episode 2, uh where we'll be talking about 1896 and it should probably be a lot shorter than this one cuz it didn't have all of the previous probably. Uh, uh, establishment and uh, right. and less backstory. earlier years and everything. We'll just talk about 1896. Yeah. Um, and uh, you are welcome. I you know I probably should set up like some kind of infrastructure for this podcast, which I definitely haven't. Uh, but <laughs> I would. But people submitting films would be great. Uh, submitting suggestions oh, yeah. for stuff for us to watch. Uh, and I don't have anything set up for that uh, for that right now. So just message me on Facebook because. No one is listening, if you're listening to this. To this you definitely know us personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I'm a big TikTok advocate right now because it's the best social media platform. Um, uh, message me on TikTok. Nah, le- le- letter, letterbox, letterbox all day for me. Ah, uh, yes. I I just clogged up my letterbox feed with so many. Like you, fifteen second films. You clogged up my letterbox feed also. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I well I I can say this on the podcast. I started review like logging and reviewing all of yeah. these on Letterbox and I got I threw like four or five and I was like, I'm not gonna do all of these. My eyes were just so glazed over after watching all of these movies. Yeah. That's not like a knock on them exactly. It's just that they're all like very simple and they're all the same thing, you yeah. know. <laughs> So expect very simple and all the same thing for the next number of weeks until we get to a trip to the moon, I guess. Well, no, I mean, next next week we got the first George Méliès movies. True. And we've got Arrival of the Train at the Station, yeah. which is... Stone Cold Classic. S- Stone Cold Classic. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thanks for listening, if you did. Uh, <laughs> and I'll see you next week. And I'll yeah. see you next week, Glenn. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>